Hey, what's going on, you guys? This is Dante. And Michelle. And you're tuned into Life Instructions Not Included, a podcast where we try to find all the pieces that make our lives feel a little bit more normal. Coming from different walks of life, we'll try to spark conversation that mentally stimulates us and challenges the way we all think. And today we'll be talking about the book Financial Feminist by Tori Dunlap. This is a book that focuses on how women have historically been financially disadvantaged and how you're going to be able to make your money work for you. Yes. Yes, But before that, let's go ahead and check in. What's going on? Not much. I mean, this is the second day in a row we've recorded. Yes. If y'all hear kids in the background, don't mind. We're still at the plant sale. Um, We're recording (laughs) in the front. (laughs) So these kids are getting wild out here. They're active Um, tonight. Yeah, so I guess, yeah, nothing really new between the both of us. No, not much going on. So out here, these kids remind me of when I was younger, how we used to have a shit ton of kids on the block, right? Uh Uh-huh. And I'm hoping that most of you have had an amazing childhood to be able to do this. If you've ever had a bike, you take a pop can, put it on your back tire, and you ride as fast as you can down a hill, and it sounds like a dirt bike or a motorcycle. I've never heard this. For real? I've, yeah. I mean, I just made a comment a couple minutes ago, and I was like, why is there a bike so loud? Yeah. That's crazy. Um, I don't... How is it... How is the pop can attaching to the back tire? So you, you roll over it, and then it just molds to the back tire. Oh. Yeah, and then it sits there. So as the wheel's... Um, as the wheel's spinning, it catches the frame, so it gets stuck oh. between the frame and the back tire, and it just makes this ruffled sound, like a like a muffler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess I didn't. You have do not a sound wonderful... so excited. Sorry. No, I... that's pretty cool. It made me th- it makes me think I did not have a wonderful childhood, <laughs> like you put it. Like, what's up with these dumbass Southern people? They put them pop cans in their bikes. Is it though, or I mean, it's I think I, fun. Pre- I feel like that's a normal thing. Is it okay? Yeah. No, good for them. The, you know what? These are kids out on the street enjoying the outside and not on their electronics that's inside so i'm all for it that's they're not out here that well i haven't seen they're out here, here but you I, would know at first i thought they dropped out of school they've been it's outside some, it's no been even before that oh, they have really? been outside just kicking it well, i'm like the other day i was like don't y'all got school the other like, day no because school literally yeah, i know just started. No, no, no 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 but then they said no we don't start till wednesday and i was like uh-huh. oh shit you guys actually do go to school Reason why I'm saying that is because I've seen them outside every day since 2019. <laughs> Something called the pandemic. People didn't. Yeah. Go to so <laughs> they, I don't know what the hell was going on. It was March. They're still chilling at the house at 9, 10 a.m. It was fucking February. It was November. It was October <laughs> of last year. I'm like, what is I going mean, on? <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. No, good for them though, because yeah. a lot of kids these days are on their iPad. Or a phone, or whatever it might be, electronic device. So. Yeah. You got your kids on electronic devices? Yes, you do. I yes, do. You do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you you guys, gotta say you it guys like time that. It? Well, because <laughs> the way you're talking about it made it seem like you don't really have that around. Oh, but no. I think that's a tool to help keep kids distracted and it helps ease the tension off the parents. No, yeah, we yeah. definitely use it. We don't try and use it a lot. We. I do like to use it to keep the kids distracted or entertained if something needs to be done. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I don't I don't shame parents for putting their kids on electronic devices. Hey. I think it's when it gets to excess. The usage is excess and like... Excessive? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> for me, yeah, at first I was like... I was like, damn, your kids be on this shit, hella. Not yours. Oh, I was just in general. Say, uh... Just in general. And I'm like, <laughs> damn, man, they need to be doing this. And I realized, man, those aren't my kids. 
I could give two fucks about what they're doing. <laughs> let let yeah. let people parent their own kids the way they want to parent them. Stop mm-hmm. jumping into other parents' lives, telling mm-hmm. people how to take care of their kids. Mind your business. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. I feel like parents already have it hard enough. We get so much feedback uh-huh. about how to parent our children yeah. and a lot of input from the outside, from people who are not in our relationship mm-hmm. it's just like okay yes like thank you for your opinion that's actually a point thank on. you but no thank you you know yeah. like in the nicest way possible yeah. i get it people have good intentions but at the same time i say until you're actually in the situation then i don't know that you know how to relate to me yeah and what's going on and even if you think you're in this situation like everybody's situation is different you know for sure. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, if someone was like, oh, yeah, I got two boys, too, and we do this and we do just fine. I'm like, nah. Your life is completely, it's still completely different, you know? Yeah. Yep. All right, well, since we don't got a check-in, let's jump right into it. I feel like this is a book that uh, you could probably cover a little bit more because it does focus on the relationship that women have with their finances mm-hmm. and education behind that. Mm-hmm. So for you... I guess before we even get into the book, what was your perspective on money and how it should be handled? Loaded questions. Yes. Two separate questions. Yes. Okay, what was my perspective on money? Mm-hmm. My perspective on money... Like, did you care about it? Was it were, were you a big spender before? Did you think you needed to save? Yeah. Which I feel like I can answer it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, because we have talked about it before in a previous yeah. episode, but yeah. but go ahead yeah. for those that haven't heard it. Yeah, I feel like I have a decent relationship with money. Okay. I am not a huge spender. I grew up in a family where they taught me, you know, at the age of, was it 16, 17, or 18 when I got my first credit card, and they're like, only use it. I think 18, because you got to be 18 to get a credit card, right? I don't know what the age is. Okay, let's say 18. Like, you know, around there. Um, Do not use the credit card unless it's for emergencies. Uh Like, absolutely do not use it at all. So I got a credit card, never used it. And um, in high school, when I got paychecks, immediately from direct deposit, I divided my paycheck up for, like, a certain percentage to go to my savings account and the rest to my to my checkings account so and that's what I mean by decent I don't have the best relationship with money as far as like always checking on my purchases and my spendings and making sure like I was on a good track but it was it wasn't a terrible relationship okay with money okay what was your second question shit I forgot (laughs) Um, you said what was your perception and uh, yeah I don't know. I guess let's skip that part. So, <laughs> so I guess going back on the credit card thing, right? You chose not to use it. Yeah. Right? Was it out of fear or just because your parents said not to? They said not to, and I didn't need to. So don't touch the credit Damn, card. Yeah, man. See, you were smart. <laughs> you were smart. My grandparents said, don't use it. I said, all right. Same day, came back with hella shoes. Why didn't you listen to them? I don't know. Because you're like, whatever, I don't, I don't need to listen don't really to you. Listen, yeah. I'm my own person. I'm 18 years old. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. I'm an adult. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> don't tell me what to do with my life. I can handle it. <laughs> Apparently, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> 
But no, it is interesting. And, you know, the book talks about this. So one of the things that I like about this book is Tori in the beginning mentions, I am fortunate and I acknowledge that I grew up in a family that taught me about money, that she was financially educated um, through her parents. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll add on to that a little bit later. But she also recognizes that not everyone was given the same opportunity or has the same base with understanding money and how to deal with Mm -hmm. money. She's like an advocate for those, you know, who didn't get the financial education. And this is her doing her part, like saying, here, here's some knowledge. Let me help you. Which is a trip because I feel like certain families deal with money well obviously different cultures deal with money differently right and while I was reading through the book uh, I was thinking that with my family it was all about saving money no matter what just save money put in savings account save enough till you retire they don't know a lot about investing at all right they don't know a lot about um, different types of retirement funds or mm-hmm. how money in your retirement funds does get invested and how to pick shares or, or different stocks right mm-hmm. through your uh, retirement fund so mm-hmm. even though I grew up in a family that said save I mean shit even though I didn't save but even if I did save it still wouldn't been up to par with what this book covered mm-hmm. you know because this covers so much as far as like what type of savings accounts you can get what mm-hmm. type of stocks or bonds to invest in um why certain certain demographics are disadvantaged financially, right? And how to kind of get out of that slump. Mm-hmm. So also while I was reading, I thought about you when you're talking about saving money before you did save a shit ton of money. What made you do it? <laughs> like when I say a shit ton of money, I'm talking about you had a lot of money in your savings at a young age compared to most of the people that I know. Okay. This, I feel like this is one of the only times I'm ever going to say in my life that I was about the numbers. Like, I liked seeing that number grow in my savings account. Okay. And every time I could transfer from my checkings to my savings and I saw that number grew, I was like, oh, okay. Like, we're getting there. Oh, my bad. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And, like, that kind that drove me. That motivated me. I'm curious about your upbringing with money, your relationship with money. And this book talks about it, too. The book had practices on, like, how to just face your relationship with money. One of the questions being, like, what was your first memory with money? Do you remember yours? Paperboy. Paperboy. Tell us Seven more Seven years about old, that. I think. Yeah. So first relationship with money when it comes to managing money was I was maybe like six or seven maybe eight no I couldn't have been eight maybe six or seven that's so young uh my mom so I I used to read a lot when I was a kid a lot and my mom decided to give me books that were business books I was reading a lot of science books at the time right and so heavy reading for a six-year-old it was it just broke down how business worked crazy uh ceos cfos whatever all the other letters are are like what you are today yeah yeah thanks mom uh (laughs) (laughs) now so she gave me one of those books and i was like oh this is kind of interesting like what do i 
what would I really do with this information? Because as a kid, when you think of a business, think of what? A lemonade, lemonade stand. Shout <laughs> yeah. out Cameron, right? Okay. So, so I was like, man, I don't want to do that shit. And my mom reminded me that her brother, my uncle, used to have a paper route when he was younger, too. So First off, in, you make it sound like it's bad to have a lemonade stand. No, it's not bad to have it. It's just I wanted to stand out. I didn't want to uh-huh. do the same thing that everybody else was doing. Mm-hmm. I want to have a different product to, to supply for the people. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Cameron, don't listen to Uncle Dante. Hey, man. I, and we could... <laughs> okay, here's how I... Because my son and I... So, at this plant sale, I've been talking to my oldest son, Cameron, how he can have... How he can sell lemonade. And I'm hyping him up. I'm like, we can work on our recipes. He's like, can you be my assistant? Mom, like, yes. Um, so, he's really looking forward mm-hmm. to it. And here you are, like, get the lemonade. Tangent. So, with the <laughs> lemonade... I'm going to teach him how to hype it up, different herbs. I got yeah. uh, lemon basil, lemon balm, and then we're throwing some peppermint too. Yeah. All those in there for the lemonade. Yeah. I told him. Fucking okay. amazing. All right. Back Anyways, back on so track. <laughs> paper route. My mom told me my, my uncle had one when he was younger. Asked me if I wanted to try it out. I'm down to try out anything, right? Mm-hmm. Seven-year-old kid. I got to ride my bike around, and I get to make some money. Bet. Let's do it. So... As a paper boy, you had to write down all your clientele, okay, all their addresses, um, what their subscription subscription is like, whether it's bi-weekly, um, whether it's monthly, whether it's weekly, whatever it may be. So I kept a list of all my clientele, all my potential clients, and then how much they're paying per month. Okay? Then I had to track everything, send it over to homeboy over on Beacon Hill. He'll give me my cut. I come back, and then I have my monthly accounting statement. It was, this is a yeah. lot of work for a seven-year-old. Yeah. So, I mean, that was honestly my first relationship with managing money. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah. Oh, and actually, on top of that, she also got me a um, a cash register toy Cute. and then a banking toy. Cute. So, there was, a like, a little memory card in there. And then, so, it tells you how much is in your in your little cash register. And then you plug in your money, you click deposit... And then if you click, click withdrawal, subtract all the money, so you're up to date with what you have in there, right? That's so, quite the toy. Yeah, yeah. She tried to keep me on top of it because she had the mindset that you always got to try to make money elsewhere. Even though she was making a good amount of money, mm-hmm. she was still trying to pull money from other places. And like I think multiple streams of income. Multiple streams of mm-hmm. income. And I think because, mostly because, I mean, she's a single mom, right? Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm child support wasn't enough and and yeah she just had a she had a grind for it and she was trying to teach me how to do it along the way Mm -hmm. it is interesting how much of our relationship takes is stemmed from i mean what was taught to us at a younger age i mean that makes complete sense it does but But. what i (laughs) wish would have been different Uh uh-huh i wish that when people try to teach the next generation something, mm-hmm. it's almost as if they're teaching them that, oh, this is the right way to do it and the only way to do it. Mm-hmm. They're not teaching anybody to go out there and learn for themselves, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's one one thing I wish that my mom did for me. Mm-hmm. Rather than saying, oh, this is how you have to do it. Mm-hmm. Say, hey, this is what, what, it, what would work. But then I also want you to learn more about yes. your finances, right? No yes. one ever said that because shit. My grandparents were always like, "Put your money into savings. Put your money into savings." I'm like, "Okay, well, mm-hmm. I could have put it into a 
CD, right? Leave the money in there. A CD? Um, a certificate of deposit. So with a CD, I mean, that's the first type of savings account I look for outside of your standard savings account. Hmm. So with that, I was trying to figure out how can I gain more interest, right? Mm-hmm. And that was the only other thing that I knew to look for. Mm-hmm. But there, you have to either leave your money in for three months, six months, a year, whatever. There's a certain amount of oh, time. before it started to grow? No, before you could deposit. Oh, oh before oh. you could withdraw. Oh, okay. So if oh. you sign up for a six month, you can't take the money out until oh. six months. Right? And, I mean, there are plenty of other savings accounts, but my mom didn't know about it. Yeah. My grandparents didn't know about it. Yes. And even if someone told them, it's just like, they don't know what it is, the the banker was just like, yeah. you should sign up for this. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Come on. Back up a little. I want to say, I could not agree with you more about older generations teaching us how to handle money or deal with our money uh-huh. because I have had older people yeah. try and teach me how to handle money, but I felt like it was in a way exactly what you said. This is what you should do. And this is the way. Yeah. This is the correct way. And when someone tells you how to do something, it just doesn't register well. At least for me, like, I think a lot of people don't like being told what to do, mm-hmm. right? And, I mean, the delivery matters, the tone matters, like, everything matters. And maybe it just came from the wrong people. Because a lot of the information in Tori's book, I have heard before, but I think it came from the wrong people. You ever think that maybe you're only willing to accept informa- certain information from them? I don't know Do if you, you want to expand. So, so I don't know if I'm understanding your your question fully. So let's say that you know you said that you heard Tori, or you heard Tori when you're reading the book. You accepted the information that mm-hmm. Tori said, mm-hmm. but you've heard it before, but you weren't as accepting. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is that like you're only willing to accept this specific type of information from certain people i think a lot of factors take into play Mm -hmm. one it depends on my attitude towards the situation yeah am i willing to accept it right now how open am i to it yeah two who is it coming from and uh, see the thing is like i think they were they are money they are smart with money and they had a lot of lessons to teach but again the way they were teaching it i was not about and i was like I don't want this information from you. Even though it's good information, it is damn good information. And yeah, I probably could have learned a tour thing following them. I think it was just the, you need to be, and Tori talks about this in her book, but in order for people to be open, willing, and vulnerable with you, you need to do the same Mm -hmm. first. Be vulnerable, be open. And I didn't get that from who was trying to teach me money. Yeah. You know. No, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. What are a couple things that you liked about the book without giving, you know, we're not trying to give the book away. You want, to, you want me to read pages one through <laughs> 100 and then you take the rest? Because <laughs> <laughs> there are, there are like, like I liked a lot of the themes yeah. she talked about. Um, I'm going with what I like. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, this is probably the second financial book that I've read in the okay. past year, right? And I, I do like the way that she gives examples. You know, she gives personal examples and then also 
personal stories, like other people's personal stories. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She also brings in experts to give their take on certain things, which is pretty cool. And yeah, there are some historical points in there that kind of put things into perspective on why things are the way they are. You know, for instance, I think she mentioned how women weren't able to get credit cards or loans yes. or something like that at until what most recently i want to say at least within yes. 50 years yeah so she says women could not have a credit card in their own name without a male co-signer until 1974 that's right yeah so about 50 years ago almost 50 years which ago. is really not that long ago yeah if no. you think about it um she also goes on to say women couldn't get a business loan without a male co-signer until 14 years later yeah so in the 90s which is really oh, not shit. that I've never even thought about that. Ago. Yeah. I mean, we were alive. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's a that's a trip, you know? Because some people are going to say, "Oh, well, they can get it now." So, yeah. I yep. mean, what's stopping them now? But mm-hmm. think about the value of the dollar. You know, mm-hmm. a dollar would get you so much in the in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Now you could barely get shit. Mm-hmm. You get a business loan now. And it's going to be hard to fucking make it through three months because you could barely cover the lease, right? Mm-hmm. So some people that have been doing it for decades, they're always like, oh, well, you have the opportunity now. Why don't you just do it? It's not as easy as you think because if, you, if you've been at a financial disadvantage for so long, it's like you're trying to play catch up in an industry where someone has already taken your spot. Mm-hmm. Right, someone has already filled that area that you're trying to work in. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone that's had a, I don't know, a fruit stand for the past sixty years. That's mm-hmm. that's a man. Mm-hmm. They know that lot. Everybody knows them. And then you try to get a woman in there mm-hmm. that wants to open up a fruit stand. Mm-hmm. First of all, she's got to have the capital. Mm-hmm. And if she hasn't, if she doesn't know much about money or how to get her finances up, mm-hmm. how is she going to be able to catch up with a man that's been doing it for fifty years? Mm-hmm. Right. And that's almost the overall theme of this book is women being at a disadvantage ever since years ago and it tries to break down these like myths or barriers which so the whole myth the myths Mm -hmm. that were brought up Mm -hmm. i haven't heard most of them so i was a little little confused did you hear a lot of them before yeah can you like point one out in particular most of them i haven't heard Okay, so if I were to if I were to just open up this book, if I were just to open up this book, if I were just to open up this book, are you talking about the narratives or the myths? Like the myths. Where's the myths in the? Is it in the middle? There, I don't know. Or is it the misconceptions? Misconceptions. That's the misconceptions and myths, right? So when you say myths, there's a section in the beginning of the book where she tries to kind of debunk these common narratives when it comes to perception of money. For example, like a couple of them are talking about money is impolite. Never heard of that. It says, having a conversation about money is not only incredibly intimate, but also invasive. So I've never thought of it as being invasive. I thought of it as something that you're just not supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's kind of like you're not supposed why. to ask a woman's age. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. something like that. I never thought it was or, invasive. It was or just, you don't ask other people like how much do you make or you know anything about their money. 
because it's but like I guess I guess uh, associating impolite with that, mm-hmm. I never thought it was impolite. Oh yeah. I thought it was just like taboo. You just don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. What about you? What did you like about the book? I liked a lot of things about this book. I wrote down a couple. <laughs> I wrote down a couple points. Um, I like that it provided some history, some background surrounding women. Um, specifically highlighting like the lack of equity even with like people of color Mm -hmm. so there is one part of the book where she talked about the gi bill enacted by congress near the end of world war ii that helped veterans with education buying homes and getting businesses but the thing about this is that and i had to do some research about this because i didn't do too much about it but i found this website and i'll we'll link it in the description it said, unfortunately, not all veterans were able to take advantage of the benefits of the GI Bill, that black vets were often unable to get bank loads from mortgages in black neighborhoods, and they were faced prejudice and discrimination that overwhelmingly excluded them from buying homes in white suburban neighborhoods. You never knew that? No. Hmm. No. Well, now you know. <laughs> now I know. I mean... I didn't know specifically. Yeah. I mean, obviously I knew people of color were being treated unfairly mm-hmm. across the board, but not specifically. Not specific acts like these. Not the, oh, it, this bill came out and it helped veterans get education, get higher education so they could get higher paying careers or get money so they could buy these nice homes. And then it wasn't given to the black people. Yeah, it's crazy. And it wasn't even, it wasn't even just black people. Like Filipino people were only able to live in certain areas. Mm -hmm. Certain Asians were only able to live in certain areas. That's why, that's why Seattle was broken up like this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, for sure. I don't know if you've ever looked at the generational map or not generational map, the geological map, the cultural geological map of the West side or Mm -hmm. Seattle a while Mm -hmm. back. I think at some point, Filipinos were only able to live in Magnolia, right? And black people were only able to live in the CD. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, white people apparently were able to live wherever they wanted to. <laughs> uh-huh. But that's not the point we're trying to make here, right? Not about where they live, but the fact that they were able... Certain demographics or certain groups were not allowed to get certain things, mm-hmm. get access to certain things that white people get. Mostly white men, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Another thing I liked about this book is while she gave a lot of information, she also gave us, the readers, an opportunity to do a lot of reflection Mm -hmm. through these homework exercises. So, like, at the the end of several chapters, she would have, like, these reflection questions. One of them asking you to assess your relationship with money. Um, How do you, like, what is your relationship with money? How do you want that relationship with money to change? Another one that I did for a while was the money diary. And I don't know if you did this one, but this is where you would note, like, what did you buy? How much did you spend on it? Why? And what were your feelings? Were you happy? Were you sad? You know, whatever feeling associated with it. I feel like I did that for a few days and then I just would reflect on it. And again, when you, I think when you, when you see something, it's just kind of like, oh shit, I spent that much. Yeah. And then I kind of look back on it too, like, okay, was that was that expense or purchase like necessary? Was it not? Mm-hmm. How much did it make an impact or whatever? Yeah. 
And then the other exercise that I really liked was the financial priority list, where you prioritize your money into different categories or buckets, as she put it, that fit into your values, that fit into your lifestyle. Yeah. So all of this is like, how do you relate with money and how can you customize this so this will work, whatever you do, will work for you in me, and this is the key term, in the long run she's very much about having a sustainable self-care money plan and having it be a long-term relationship i liked that she talked about you know this journey this relationship with money it's not a diet like when you think when you go on a diet how long does your diet last oh we talked about this yesterday it's kind of like shorter they're short-lived, right? Yeah. I'm going to go on a diet because I just want to lose a few pounds here or I want to look good for a vacation or a wedding or an event, whatever it may be. But she's like, no, this is not a diet. This is not a money diet. This is going to be a lifestyle. It's funny because, you know, we were just talking about this yesterday when we recorded. You remember you brought up the no using your credit card for one month? No credit thing. card usage for one month. Or and then there's something else that you no, mentioned. No, yeah. um, like no spending, zero spending. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And then I brought that up, the whole diet thing, and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny. She actually said diet in there. Um, I don't know. She might have said diet. Okay. I'm I'm one of those readers that, <laughs> you know, I try to get the the gist of yes. certain sections, and then I'll kind of blank out a little bit in certain uh-huh. things. I used to hate reading in college because. If it doesn't catch my attention, I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm zoned out. I forget yeah. a lot. But I feel like I'm like that, too. Like, I try and get the general gist of it or, like, what what really stood out to me and yeah. how do I summarize it in my head. And that's kind of what I got. Yeah. Okay. It's funny you say you didn't... What did you say? You didn't read a lot? No, I'm saying I hated reading. Oh, okay. Because I would miss a lot if I'm not completely focused. Yeah. So I just try to get the gist of whatever section I'm reading. Mm-hmm. And then if I... Like, I can read 20 pages sometimes mm-hmm. and not know what the hell I read. Yeah. And then the problem is I have to go back and do it over again. Yeah. Because I'm the type that hates forgetting what I just read because I feel yeah. like I might be missing out on something, you know? No, for sure. Yeah. I feel it. Um, but yeah, so back on the diet thing, I think that that is a good point because a lot of people, I feel like they don't look at their finances in the long run. Like, what is your end goal financially? You know what I mean? It's more so, oh, I got to pay off this debt. By then, okay, well, the debt's paid off. Then what do you do? Mm-hmm. What do you plan on doing with your money? Mm-hmm. Why are you paying off your debt? Mm-hmm. Uh, how is your debt going to help you out in your future? You know? Yeah. yeah. Do you do any of the other homework assignments on there? Those are like the three that stands out to me. Yeah. I don't remember what the others were. Uh-huh. Um, but if it's like one other thing I like about this book is that it is a guidance. Yeah. And uh, she states that up front. She's like, this can be a tough read. It's a lot of information to take in and you don't have to do it yeah. all at once, but you could do it in little steps yeah just because again this is a a hard topic for people to address yeah it's an emotional one and it's just not very easy um there's not too much i didn't like about this book actually i think it made it made the topic of finances super relatable because like okay 
yesterday, I think it was yesterday's recording, you mentioned The Big Short, which is the movie about the home, the housing and the economic crisis. I've tried to watch that movie. And then there's the other movie, Wolf on Wall Street, that was big on what stocks and the stock market and stock um, market. not shorting but penny stocks i think that's what it so those what two about? movies like surrounding money i could never get into even though i wanted to i watched both of them it never caught my attention like this book did <laughs> sorry can i intervene real quick or yeah okay so the wolf on wall street right first time i watched it for those of you that haven't watched it before at least what I got from the movie, and this is a true story, right? I mean, some of the events were kind of embellished, but pretty much he was selling hopeful stocks. Like these stocks weren't guaranteed to make you a lot of money. Mm-hmm. They got rich off of selling it to people that had hope that they would get rich, even though they wouldn't. Mm. So for me, I'm like, watch this shit, bitch. I'm about to get rich off these unhopeful ass stocks, mm-hmm. which were penny stocks. So my dumbass goes on robin hood right i'm like hey i found a stock for fucking three cents let me buy like ten thousand of these bitches i buy them right and i'm like wolf on wall street wolf on wall street watch this shit i'm about to get rich mm-hmm. a couple months pass by it's fluctuating it goes from like what three cents to six cents to eight goes up to 11 drops back down to seven i'm like man mm-hmm. this is bullshit i made like 40 bucks Right, mm-hmm. so pull out forty bucks. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I check it back two years later. Mm-hmm. That shit shot up to thirty dollars per share. Mm-hmm. I think my numbers might be off with mm-hmm. whatever I'm giving right now. Mm-hmm. But when I calculated it at the time, I missed out on twenty thousand dollars. That's unfortunate. Which which isn't a lot. I mean, it, twenty thousand is a lot. Yeah, twenty thousand is a lot. I can't make myself feel better about it. I lost twenty thousand dollars. A chance on that. <laughs> Tori, Tori talks about this that when you go into investing, yep. it is not a short term yes. thing. You are in it for the long run. Yeah. And you are going to see that fluctuate over time. But the thing is, you just need to stick with it. Yeah. Let it do its thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so, had you read Financial Feminists, how probably wouldn't have done that shit. Yeah. You would have kept it in and then look at you. I you would have had been my in a gym. Better, you would have been in a better financial position. Exactly. <laughs> But it is things like that that made me think like, oh shoot, yeah, I am putting aside for my 401k, yeah. uh, but I'm, I'm putting it aside, but I'm not investing in. You mentioned earlier, your grandparents said, save your money, save your money, save your money. But yes, there are other ways to not just save money, but make that money work for you by investing. Money wasn't taught to me like that. Yeah. Which goes with the, we all don't start at the same place or on the same level playing field. Yeah. And it's, it's unfortunate. We are playing that catch up. Well, personally, do you ever feel like you were at a disadvantage because you're a woman and a woman of color? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you grow up already with the mindset of, okay, I'm female. I'm not, I'm already not going to make as much. You do? Yes. Okay. as males that I'm working alongside or I'm not going to be making as much as the males at my company yeah right off the bat yeah so the reason why I asked is because some of the stats that were some of the data that was in here in mm-hmm. the book there weren't any references that's one issue that I had they might be in the back I didn't 
go all the way to the back, but usually it's notated at the bottom. This is like a subscript, okay. right? Or something. But anyways, I was thinking about pay rates between male and female mm-hmm. in certain industries. When you start a position, let's say a position where you don't really, you can't negotiate your wage. Or not, I don't want to say you can't, where most people won't negotiate their wage. Mm-hmm. You're going to get paid the same, usually. So, for instance, over at the gym that I work at, mm-hmm. regardless of being male or female, we get paid the same. So that's where I wish there was more information on how are these numbers being compared? Is Are they people in the same same level of work or same line of work? Right? Mm-hmm. Which I do, don't get me wrong, I do agree. I believe... I believe that women that are in the same higher level position as men get paid less than the male than their male counterparts. Um, but I think that I think that it, it would give a I wish it would give a better picture of what exactly they're talking about, you know. So that way, it's not necessarily just saying, "Oh yeah, men are always going to get paid lower than women." It's certain areas where this happens, and that's where the problem needs to be fixed men get paid lower oh sorry sorry women get paid lower than men in certain areas and that's where the problem needs to be fixed because i think that if um if you have the mindset that you're always going to get paid lower than men Mm -hmm. some people might think of that in every single type line of work right Mm -hmm. and it doesn't always happen that way Mm -hmm. i'm not trying to downplay it at all i just wanted to Mm -hmm. i wish they would go into more detail in the book Mm -hmm. about what positions are they talking about exactly Mm -hmm. and and it is also management's fault. Management. I got a per- yeah, I got a personal example here. While we're working in a gym during the pandemic, uh, we weren't getting a lot of one-on-one clients, so we had to figure out how to incorporate training at a cheap rate for most people. So we resorted to group training. Okay, I'm not doing that shit because it's lower pay than what I get paid per hour. All of us, it's lower pay. So one of the trainers was doing it, female trainer. She was doing it, she was getting paid at a certain rate that we all got paid. Then they were like, oh, we can't pay you at that rate because it's supposed to be a different position. They told her the price she was going to get paid at, okay? They told her a rate. She said, no, I'm not going to do that. Manager calls me and is like, hey, Dante, do you want to do this? And I said, hey, I'll only do it for this rate. They're like, no, we'll offer you this. They offered me $2 higher than they were going to offer her, and she had more experience doing this than I did. And that shit pissed me off. For one, mm-hmm. for one, she has more experience. Why are you lowballing her mm-hmm. when she's already done this before? Mm-hmm. You know. And two, you don't. It shows you don't care about your employees. Mm-hmm. You know. And when I think of management, I think of leaders. Mm-hmm. And you have to lead your team to not only like a financial success mm-hmm. or like at least lead the company to some sort of success. You have to lead your staff your employees for personal growth as well mm-hmm. and if you keep treating them at this as if they're like a lower level mm-hmm. they're going to stay at that lower level or at least feel as if they're not not respected enough within the company right mm-hmm. and that goes to show that there are a lot of managers out there that have that mindset that oh i could lowball these people and the fact that it happened to be a woman that was going to get lower pay than me mm-hmm. even though she had more experience made it even worse and the Mm -hmm. fact that it was a white male made Mm -hmm. it even worse and on top of that (laughs) just keep piling on oh on top of that yeah it's 
I have something this, to say. Yeah, the, this white this white male, he has a. Uh, let's just say when someone asked him what would he have liked to have been growing up, his answers show that he had some type of su- superiority complex. Mm. He needed control over the situation, mm. and I think that falls in line with how people can be at so be held to some sort of disadvantage mm-hmm. in life, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one one big comment I have about your story, you guys, you guys are very transparent about pay. Like, how did you know it was two dollars more? Oh, because we were really transparent because we put out a lawsuit on our mm-hmm. on our employer. Mm-hmm. So at that point we said, "Fuck it, we're all talking about this shit." Mm-hmm. That's when we were like, "No, we all deserve to be paid the same rate. We all deserve mm-hmm. to be treated fairly within this company." Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with it. Mm. And the sad part is that when the female trainer went up to go talk to them, mm-hmm. somehow HR intervened and then some other administrator intervened and was like, hey, it's against the law for you guys to talk about your guys' pay. Mm. And she was like, fuck no, it ain't. Mm-hmm. And then that's when the lawsuit happened. So yeah. they try to intimidate your, they try to yeah. intimidate the employees. Yeah. When you work in a corporate system like that, even though we're not in your traditional corporate system. Yeah. A lot of people still got that mindset. Yeah. You know? And so. And I. Don't let that shit scare you. Fucking talk about your pay. Talk about your pay with your employees or your coworkers. And that is one of Tori's main themes with this book is starting that conversation around money and advocating and empowering others to talk about money so it can close the waging gap and it can open opportunities for equal pay across the board Mm -hmm. because until until that happens i mean if that doesn't happen we're all going to keep quiet about money how much you get paid versus your colleague even if you're in the same line of work and whatnot so i'm glad you brought up that story because it's a huge theme to her book. If a company wants to fire you, they'll fire you. Mm-hmm. They're going to figure out a way to get rid of you. Mm-hmm. It's really a matter of figuring out a place that works best for you, you know, and knowing your worth, obviously. If the company's not willing to give you this amount of pay, then, I mean, I would say go go somewhere else and fucking get it, mm-hmm. right? I guess... Let me put it this way. I, I am agreeing with what you're saying. Be transparent. What Tori's saying. Yeah, what Tori says. Sorry. Yeah, be transparent about your pay. Be open to talk about it with each other. But do I think that it will it will close the wage gap? I think there's a possibility. It's just hard to figure out whether... It, like, what is that success rate? What is the likelihood of it happening, right? Because if we try to do it over at the place that I work at... You know, one person was threatened to be fired mm-hmm. for it. And it wasn't, it wasn't a male employee. So they'll find a way to fire people, you know, and they'll figure it out. But And that's fine. I think at some point people need to realize that their work environment is toxic. And if it doesn't work for you entirely, get, step in. get out that bitch. Then, then leave. Yep. Do what Tori did and leave. Find a place <laughs> that respects you, you know. Yes. Figure out your self-worth, your self-value. Yeah. And if, you know, if the company you work for does not value you as much as you value yourself, bounce, mm-hmm. you know? For sure. I think one thing I take away from this book, I think I take a, a lot of things away from this book, but it's this huge point about, like, just feeling empowered and knowing what you deserve yeah. and how to get there. 
because like I said depending on your background and how you and how you were taught money in the beginning like you might not be as confident with money yeah as people could be and I think this just makes me a little bit more confident mm-hmm. in the right direction make your money work for you I never thought about money like that it was how can I work to make money what can I do to make money I've never flipped it around in my life and say how can I make my money work for me what does that mean to you though make my money work for me yeah if it can just sit and grow over time and I don't have to do a lot aka investing or something mm-hmm. I mean that's a pretty smart move okay I think that's a good starting point yeah, yeah, yeah. you know something like that um that's what it means to me okay just at the very like surface level what does that what does it mean to you well for me it's the same thing it's just I'm not big on investing uh there's a portion of the book that talks about I forgot the term but it's it's when you invest your money into into companies that are trying to make a more positive global impact or community mm. impact, right? It and was so, like activist wallet or something. Yeah, yeah. So I was always thinking about that. I, when I downloaded Robinhood, I never invested in oil companies. I yeah. never invested in companies that are associated with uh, companies that have a negative impact on the environment. Yeah. Right or different communities. I wanted to invest in people or community or companies that. Are looking to help grow yeah. others and build others up right so that it's always tough to find because you know you hear left and right oh well this company's owned by this or got bought out by this now they're now they don't really care about the community mm-hmm. right and so i was like let me just fall back and figure out how how do i make my money work for me which would be businesses yeah. and at some point it's like you have you end up having people work for you. You don't have to work as much. Mm-hmm. It's still it's still stressful. You still gotta manage everybody, right? Mm-hmm. But you're doing less work. Although it's more work, it's still less work. It doesn't make any sense. But it's like you're, you're managing people, but you don't have to do all the tedious things. Let's say harder labor, and that's where I'm at. You know, I don't know if that works for a lot of people. I, I you know I don't know if there's just some like gender biases that that a lot of women have that lead them into a different direction that might cause them to have the specific mindset about money um because we are we are in this era where we do have access to anything but how do you become motivated to want to learn about it to educate yourself about finances and reaching and reaching a financial stability or financial freedom Mm -hmm. you know yeah think people have to be in a certain place in life to be ready to face their financial journey yeah and i think this book helps this book really helps out if you feel like you don't know where to start Mm -hmm. she does a great job with getting you to figure out where your weakness is at and where your where your strengths Mm -hmm. when it comes to your finances yeah and then also the homework keeps you on track as long as you do it as long as you do it yeah or just apply yourself Mm -hmm. that's isn't that what I said? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, like, you're saying, like, do the homework. Like, yeah, I, mean, I the... didn't do every homework assignment, but I can still apply myself another way that's going to work for me. And I think that's, yeah. that's fine. Like, I, I get what like, you're for saying. For example, I'm, I get what I'm, you're saying. I'm aware. I'm yeah. not going to take part. I'm not going to do the 
money diary and note every you know note it but I'm, I can like mentally do it gotcha like I said I think as long as you apply yourself somehow and put in the effort if you want to you know we talked about this earlier too this isn't a book just for women uh, this can be applied to many other groups mm-hmm. right and I learned a lot I learned a lot from this book you know I think that there's one thing that caught my eye where when you're paying off a debt a, like a loan Mm-hmm. A lot of times, the extra money goes into your interest. Mm-hmm. And, like, for the longest time, I was like, all right, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to have to pay it. Not once did I ever think to call them and be like, hey, how do I get this money to go to my principal? Mm-hmm. I was yeah. just going to keep paying and just let it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I thankfully, that's... I read this because my dumbass would have just kept paying the interest. Well, and I think that's one of the reasons why, like, if you do have a credit card and if you're trying to pay off your credit card, like, don't ever just pay that monthly yeah. balance because that works against you. Yeah. Um, you always want to try to pay off your credit that first month so you don't have a balance or try to make more than that monthly payment. So personally, for me, moving forward, and my husband and I actually have already started doing this, um, but we have these like these sit-down meetings about finances, about our finances, and we just take a look. What does it look like? What is our goals? What are like steps we need to take? Mm-hmm. But I'll admit, we probably just had it a couple times over the summer, and we haven't had one in a while. Yeah. And I feel like now is the time where we need to... It would be a good time to sit down, reassess, see where we are. Are we on the right track? Do we need to make some adjustments and whatnot? And not just with my husband, but also like with myself and looking at my spending habits, my saving habits. What can I be doing differently to get me in the right path? Okay. Nice. And it's like, it's like, I don't know. I talked about being a money person and like how seeing that money grow excites me but I also like that was the earlier time in my life when I didn't have a lot of expenses and so now it, it's like it's just a new journey reassessing my finances as a family of four okay. which is like a whole different ball game right yeah. so gotta get back on it mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah what about you what do you take away from this from this book just... as a male And oh, wait, one thing I did want to point out is, yes, as I was reading this book, and yes, she talks a lot about women empowerment, I thought about how this could apply to people of color in general, LGBTQ+, just like minorities across the board. Okay, go. So, like, the one thing from the book that stuck with me, I guess that I wasn't doing before I I read the book, um different types of savings accounts so i brought it up earlier in the episode Mm -hmm. and i really want to talk to a financial advisor strictly about savings accounts Mm -hmm. and what's going to work best for me and my goals Mm -hmm. other than that i think that um i I did read a book i I read the dave ramsey book Mm -hmm. and you know i think they have a they have similar point of views she does call him out a lot and she did she said something about why the no she didn't these aren't her exact words but when i read it this is what it sounded like why the fuck would you save a thousand dollars only for an emergency fund you remember that part yeah yeah and you think it's enough no so hear me out hear me out right i was reading dave ramsey and i'm like 
I'm like, okay, let me do a thousand. So I saved a thousand. I'm like, oh shit, I made it. Okay, next step, pay off mm-hmm. this debt. And you know, I saved a thousand, and I'm going to, I go to her book, and I was like, you kind of right. The fuck is a thousand dollars gonna do for me? Change my brakes? <laughs> like that's that's it. That's emergency. It. I could probably get what two gallons of milk. <laughs> I think that's it. I can't do shit with that. So, you know, loading up my savings account, figuring out what other types of um, what HYSAs, high yield mm-hmm. savings account there are, mm-hmm. and again, just making my money work for me when I can. Oh, and she did. Man, it was good. She brought up inflation. And it it also put things into perspective as well. If you're not making enough money to counterbalance inflation, mm-hmm. you're already losing. Right? We're all losing. <laughs> well it sucks because yeah, as shit keeps increasing, if your if your income doesn't increase at the same rate, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. So figuring that out, mm-hmm. crunching some numbers, that, that's that's what I got from this book and that's what's gonna help help me in the long run and I have to keep in mind the long financial goal not just paying off a credit card mm. you know that this definitely helped keep me in check mm-hmm. this book mm-hmm. cool 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 well shout out we never mentioned how we got this book oh yeah shout out to the Capital One Cafe in South Lake Union yep 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 cause we used to record actually our podcast episodes there a few times <laughs> And um, I think it was the second time we came in. Second or um, third. They gave us the book. So shout out to them. Yeah. And Tori Dunlap, Seattle native, right? Yes, she is. You, I was like, hey, okay. You knew of her before. No, I didn't. Oh, I thought you mentioned her. Like when we get the book, you're like, oh, that's that girl that you've seen her on social media or no, something. No, I, no, I didn't. I'm surprised no. you didn't since you're such a TikToker. She's or, on TikTok? She's very popular on TikTok. She talks about it. <laughs> oh, so you, so yeah, you do know who she is. No, I don't know. This book was my first introduction to her, but she talks about something like you might have seen me on TikTok or something. Oh, she did? Oh. So I'm surprised. See, that, I think that's when I blacked out. <laughs> it was early nah. on in the book, and like we, um, we've actually been sitting on this book for, what, about five months? Yeah. Maybe. I did most of the reading <laughs> the past week. And it was it was tough trying to find time, but um, but yeah, it's been a while. Happen, We've had this happen. for a while. All right. Well, remember, we all have different journeys in life. What may be right for me might not be right for you, and vice versa. We're hoping this episode enlightened you and inspired you to bring up these types of conversations with your community. Hoping that you can be a part of our community. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and follow us on Instagram at Life I and I Podcast. Grab a book, get your finances in order, and we will catch you guys next time. Till next time.